Hello, anybody in the room? It's a great day to talk about running to the Father. It's a great day when you have the image that your Father is standing there receiving you. Not only just receiving you, but running back to you. If you know the prodigal story, uh, that's a powerful image for today, uh, is that the Father was looking for his son who had gone out and gone away and rejected him, but uh, he didn't reject his son. When his son came back, he was there to embrace him. And so as the son began to approach him, he ran to his son. Isn't that a, a, a beautiful image for us of our Heavenly Father? I uh, want to say Happy Father's Day to, uh, to all the dads. We want to just cheer you on and say we see your efforts. Um, we see you trying. We see you succeeding. We see you falling down, but we see you getting back up and trying again and continuing on and on. You know, every one of us has a father and of some kind or another, sometimes that's a great relationship. Sometimes it's a complicated relationship filled with pain. And we have to figure out what it means to honor thy father and thy mother when it's a complicated situation particularly. And sometimes honoring them doesn't mean always going along with them, going along to get along. But I think what it does mean is that we find a way to respect. And we respect them in the complication. And that's not an easy answer. Too often it's not an easy answer. And so we look to our Heavenly Father to grant us wisdom. Today's passage is actually from the book of Joshua, and uh, we'll get into it. it uh, and, and, and it's a very famous verse, actually. But I think that whatever can be said about the home is... It's the bottom line of life. It's where attitudes and convictions are hammered out. It's the place where life's bills get paid. It's also uh, probably the single most influential force in our existence. For the good, for the bad, for the ugly, for the redeeming, it's there. A friend of mine, his name is uh, Bill, he sent me this reading that I want to share with you. It says, when you thought I wasn't looking... And it's about a parent-child relationship. It's not just about fathers, but it certainly includes fathers. It's fathers and mothers. And it's from the perspective of a child, maybe a child at young age or maybe an adult child. Hear these words. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator, and I wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I thought, it's good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and I knew that little things, even little things, can be special. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say prayers, and I believed that there was a God that I could talk to. When you thought I wasn't looking, I felt you kiss me goodnight, and I felt loved. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw a tear come to your eye one time, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared, and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked. And I want to say thanks for all the things that I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. Those are powerful words. Those are sort of daunting words a little bit when we realize that we have children maybe of our own or in the neighborhood or in our extended family 
that are looking and are watching. Sometimes that's rather a daunting responsibility. And yet, at the same time, what a blessing it can be to bless children of our own and our friends' children. We have friends that come to our table who are not of our, who are not of our own family, but they feel like family. We sit around and we talk and we laugh and we poke fun at each other and we laugh and we eat too much or whatever we do, we play a game and we may poke fun at each other a little bit too hard, but they feel like family. And a lot of times they might say, Aunt Kathy or Uncle Jay or Mama C is what sometimes I'm called or uh, Papa Jay. And that's a powerful thing to realize that we have an influence of people and can have an influence of people of all ages. When we aren't aware of people looking, we have an influence for the good or for the bad. Parents have an influence greater sometimes than I think we realize. And Joshua actually understood the power of of parenting. As he was coming towards the end of his life, he called the leaders of Israel together for sort of what could be called a final message. And he was knowing that he was uh, nearing death. He was aware of that. And he sends this call out to renewal that begins with a reciting of God's blessings. And so he's overlooking his life and his journey that he's been with with these people, and he's, he's starting to recite blessings. And so the first 13 verses of chapter 24 in the book of Isaiah, that's what it is. He's recounting blessing after blessing, and he's challenging the people to be faithful to God. And in the very middle of that, reciting blessings and saying, now respond to all that blessing was being faithful to him. In the middle of those uh, stirring words uh, comes this, this line that's been, that's been quoted and memorized, and sometimes it's on a plaque in various houses or kitchen tables and around different people's homes. And it says these words, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And in these words, in those verses, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that declaration, there's actually three different Uh, decisions I think that have to be made if we want our families, if we want our family to be a household of faith, uh, that, that we have to have three decisions. And they have to be intentional decisions. So the first one is to build a grace based family. As Joshua recounts the story of the, the conquest of the promised land, he quotes the Lord, and he has this strong reminder to the people. And sort of in a paraphrase, let me share with you what he says to them. He says, when you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, the citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Zebusites, but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornets ahead of you that drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it on your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities that you did not build, but you live in them. And eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. 
Joshua is actually wanting the people to not forget that they owed everything to God, their creator. And sometimes it's easy for that to happen. After all the Israelite army, after all that they had done, battle after battle that they had won, that they had rerouted and forced the enemy from the field, it would actually be natural for them to start thinking, you know what, we've got, we've got some special abilities here. We're more powerful. We're better than others. We've got something special. We are, we are special. We have abilities that others simply can't even match. And they can pat themselves on the back, as sort of maybe some of those Israelites were doing. But it's a deadly thought. Joshua knew that, and he knew that once the, the, those people started really begin to give themselves credit for their own victories, that they would start just ceasing to look to God to be their leader, to follow him, to obey his, his, his ordinances, his commands, to actually give him honor and praise. And so he's reciting blessings to them, and he's like again and again trying to say, do not think you did this on your own alone. No matter how strong you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter how many abilities you have and your resources you have, do not dare think that it was on your own strength alone. And there's a lesson for us to, to, to actually take in right there with our own families and do what Joshua did with the people of Israel. It is a very good thing to review our blessings, to actually even write them down and say to our children, do you remember when we prayed for this? Do you remember the strength that we felt and we sensed around us and building up in us that we can't even begin to try to articulate, that the words are just too shallow, that they're just too little for us to uh, express the magnitude of how we were able to take steps forward? when things were crashing around us, when things were falling apart, when true painful things were happening in life and we don't know how we made it before. Do you remember God blessing us by putting people on our path to comfort us, by people who brought us things and provided for us? Do you remember the blessings that God has given us? And on and on and on, we can start having natural conversations with people in our family, both young and old, about the blessings God has given us. A good memory, hear this, a good memory of God's blessing is a bulwark against getting confused and backsliding or in this confusion of maze and, and a hazy type environment. Remembering and reminding ourselves of where we've come from and who has provided for us is quite the bulwark for us. So I ask this question, how has God blessed you from your family today, from your family of old, from your family of generations, if you know about them? Think about it. Tell it to your children, your family, your friends. Do your neighbors know that you have a faith that is, that is steadfast, that is founded on Jesus Christ, the solid rock on which you stand? Is it evident? Because you literally are intentional about thinking about the blessings God has given you. That's the way we build a grace-based family. Is at first we look to God, a creator and sustainer of life. 
And then from that, he starts reminding us of other principles that he's laid before us about being grace-based with each other. And so that when we've crossed each other's um, attitudes and we're crossways with one another for an hour or for two hours or for three hours, there's this ability to move past that because the ability to understand we have been forgiven through the sacrifice that God has made on our behalf. That Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became our sin on our behalf that we might be able to be right with God the Father. And so when we understand that we've been able to be forgiven for some grievances, both great and small, we have the ability then to say, if I can be forgiven, I can extend that forgiveness to someone else. It's hurt me both great and small. That we can actually be a conduit in our family where we don't have to walk around and hold grudges day after day or month after month or year after year. That we actually can have tools in our toolbox for forgiveness. So one of the things that Joshua teaches us as being a grace-based family is to recite our blessings to write them down, to say them out loud, to put them on a refrigerator even, saying, God bless me when. God bless me on the day that you were born. God bless me on the day that I met you. Those are powerful things that help us bond with one another. The way that actually we were created to bond with people. I think the second decision that we can learn from that famous passage, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, is actually teaching our families, our, our household that we live with, and then even our extended family, to worship God. The first uh, part of that passage in uh, chapter 24, verse 14, it says, Now fear the Lord. And some people like to take that and sort of twist it and maybe even to the point of distorting what that means. That fear the Lord somehow must mean that we have to cringe in terror because he would strike us down with some type of thunderbolt or something. But the bigger concept of that, the biblical concept of that, is much broader than that. Fearing the Lord literally means having this deep respect that we want to please him in everything that we do. One writer uh, in the Gospels actually refers that of having an inner devotion that causes us to honor God with every area of our life, both at home or at work or at recreation or wherever we are, we have this inner, this inward devotion of God, you have given me so much, I want to bless you in return. And so... Uh, you ask that question, or I've been asked the question, how do I actually share this inner devotion, this, this desire to bless God in return? How do I share that at my household? And when I think about the how-to, how do I do that? When uh, our children were little, and then when they were in middle school, and then high school, and then on into today. How do I do that? I'm reminded of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear these words. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you are to be impressed upon your hearts. And you are to impress them on your children. And here's the how-to. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gate. Those, that's the how-to. It doesn't have to be some type of formal education when we're talking about the love of God and to follow and obey and trust in Him. It actually should be something that's so natural that just happens. Like when I go out and I throw a ball uh, with a family member or when it was done with me for the very first time when I was a child. It wasn't this formal education. We didn't have to sit down and put X's and O's all over a board. It was something that was just talked about. When we sat down for a meal, it wasn't like we're having to have this formal education and we took out you know, the Bible and started highlighting everything and this is how you do it. No, it was as natural as breathing. that We just talked about God at work in our life and having eyes to see it and ears to hear it and being sensitive to it. It doesn't have to be something that we formally teach, although it can be and at times it should be. It doesn't have to be this awkward education or an awkward, you know, um, conversation. It's like, okay, now we're going to talk about religion. Chapter 4, verse 10. No. It's something that is to be daily. So though it shouldn't be formal, it has to be intentional. Where we can uh, make Christ an everyday aspect of our lives. And we're to set that example for our family and for our friends and for our friends' family to honor the one who created us, to honor the one who sustains us. And the third decision, actually, that I want to just zero in is it talks about choosing daily. Who will your household serve? And so... That passage, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It's one of the most famous sayings, actually. It's why you see it on so many plaques and, and, and various things on, in people's homes. Uh, because it expresses the heart of a great spiritual leader at the end of his life, Joshua. But in those simple words, he is stating what's at his core and what's central to him. That when... Whenever things come that he knows who he is and he knows who he belongs to and he knows who his family, who he wants his family to belong to, who he knows where his family can gather strength to face a lifelong journey. When, uh, when we start thinking about that, we understand that it's actually something that happens daily. The nitty-gritty little choices. A friend of mine who uh, was actually overcoming addiction, he said, I don't understand. I just feel like I keep trying and I keep trying, but I feel still like I'm living this double life because I feel like I take one step forward and two steps back with this thing I'm trying to conquer. He said, and I feel like in my Christian life that life is just dry and it's just dead and I don't have this, this inner feeling about getting forward in life. A good friend of ours answered uh, him and said, look, you didn't get to this state that you're in right now of trouble, in this state of, uh, you know, 
wrestling with your demons. You didn't, you didn't come into this state overnight. And you've got to begin each day by choosing each choice. The choices that follow Christ. That follow up a decision with a hundred small choices. That you don't make just one statement over all and it just blankets everything and all falls into place. No, you make the statement, you make the declaration, and then choice after choice after choice in the nitty-gritty small things of life till you actually then make that statement a reality. Years ago, Matthew Henry, uh, he, he talked about that type of Uh, lifelong discipleship and serving the Lord, he said it actually truly means serious discipleship. It means that I'm going to do all that I can to fling open every door of my life to God and that I do it personally. And it's a public choice in the fact that, uh, that Joshua was saying, I don't care what you do in the sense you have a choice before you, but I will declare to you what I'm going to do, that I'm going to serve the Lord. And I think the other story that's in the midst of that story is that it is a very personal decision. It doesn't happen by default, and it doesn't happen by inheritance. You can't get it from great Sally May or, you know, whoever in your life that was really, really close to God that you go, oh, of everybody that I want praying for me, I want that person. It can't be Uncle, you know, David Samuel that was the steadfast uh, backbone of the family. You know, I want that person praying for me. No, you can't inherit it from them, although they give you tools that bend your way to help things uh, make it a little bit more clear focused for you. It's a very personal decision. But as for me... In my house, I will serve the Lord. It's a statement that forsaking all else if I have to is what Joshua was saying is you can decide. The choice is in front of you. You got to serve somebody. Who will that be? What will that be? And then when we talk about households, you know, there's always someone to say, well, I can live that way, but I certainly can't make sure that my children are going to follow. And that's true. That's absolutely true. God's given us, each one of us, self-will, the ability to choose ourselves. And our children can choose similarly or they can choose differently. But we can actually, you know, arch it in a way uh, that they can have a good opportunity to make the choices that would honor their Creator to choose the way of Christ. So the question before you and before me today is, do you know where you stand on your own personal choice? The scriptures say, choose for yourself this day who you will serve. It's an old song by Bob Dylan. I just said it a while ago. Is you got to serve somebody. No one gets a free ride You can't straddle the fence forever. You have to choose, and there's no room for neutrality. In fact, if you choose not to choose, you've already chosen, because that in and of itself is a choice. Who will you serve? What will your household be based on? It doesn't have to be something that has to be formal and sketched out, you know, on some type of spreadsheet. But it does have to be intentional. It does have to be where we consider the 
consequences, we consider the blessings. As for me and my household, the Tucker household, we will serve the Lord to the days of all on earth that we have together. I pray this day, this hour, you will consider who you will serve and actually put action to it. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you for Joshua and for men like Joshua. Oh God, we need a generation of Joshua's. We need it desperately right now and in our own generation. Of men particularly who will stand up and declare devotion. Who will set an example in their households. In their places of work. Father, in their uh, places of recreation. Lord, impress upon our hearts the blessings you have given us the kindness and goodness to which you extend to us in the past and in the present and what you've promised in the future. Oh God, deepen each one of our faith that we can declare our households will stand with you and follow you all the days of our life. Lord, we long to bless you for the blessings you've given us. We pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ.